This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. It is Tourism Hamilton's Salute to Tourism. We are featuring some of the great organizations, some of the great people behind some of the great events, uh, occasions, and, and, and attractions that uh, bring tourism to Hamilton. And, of course, with the city going through the renaissance that it is, this industry is exploding like everything else in Hamilton. Let's bring in uh, Brenda, uh, Brenda Branch. She is Product Development Officer, Tourism and Culture. Also here is Susan Ramsey, Curator, Battlefield House. Susan, let's start with you what's your role as as curator of battlefield house my role as curator of battlefield house uh, this particular weekend is organizing and executing and implementing the annual reenactment of the battle of stony creek this year is the 37th anniversary of that event it's one of the longest running war of 1812 reenactments in all of north america this is huge isn't it this is a big thing and this must be the biggest event at at battlefield house yes it's it's very very large event we were expecting we had about 14,000 visitors last year over the three-day event so with lots of sunshine we're hoping we'll have that again this year and and these people are extremely dedicated to the accuracy and history of what's going on here. Talk they, about the people involved. They do. These volunteers that come from near and far, even some out of the USA, they provide their own kit, as we call it. So that is their own equipment, their own garments, their undergarments. And then we stage the encampment, and they came. They come and demonstrate and talk to the visitors and students while they're there. And talk about uh, students and how you involve the schools, which is fascinating. Yes, on Thursday, this coming Thursday, we have what we call History in Action Day. So schools will be attending with about 1,400 grade 7s, and we have various stations set up for them to participate in. Lots of hands-on activities, and they'll even get to participate with a broom at the Grand Tactical. Really? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, and then they get to clean up. <laughs> <laughs> so it must be very cool for the students to, you know, see what they're they've learned about, what they've they've heard about so much while they're in the classroom to actually experience that. What's the feedback from them? We we get amazing feedback from the teachers and the students because they get to experience it for themselves. Mm-hmm. And we have an actual waiting list this year, about five schools because it is book solid by the end of October. So it's very, very well uh, attended. So when they have the broom, what do they do with their devices? <laughs> well, sometimes they got the broom in one hand and the device in the other, trying to take a selfie as they're on that battlefield. Oh, that's incredible. Uh, Brenda, talk a little bit about uh, your role here in uh, product development as product development officer. What's your role? What do you do? Um, well, the product development piece comes into play uh, around the tourism section, yeah. mostly. And it's about uh, developing viable, unique experiences for tourism, potential tourists to come to Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So bundling product together, finding what is unique and elevating that type of product, and then wrapping other product around it to encourage overnight stays. What is unique here? Well, we are what's right se- now. What sells? Yeah, we're right now working on an arts workshop, mm-hmm. product development initiative. So we have artists and um, businesses that present arts workshops at the table, talking about elevating those experiences. And then our intention is to wrap dining and performing arts experiences around those mm. with uh, overnight buys. And that's a fall launch this year. 
Uh, how important is the dining aspect of this? We've talked about this a million times, and it's just it, it just never ceases to amaze me that how, there's like another restaurant every week it seems opening up here. So true. You know, the dining piece of it is a tough one. It's a very popular thing for Hamilton, mm-hmm. um, but it's also popular in other destinations. So right. it's not necessarily something that makes us unique. Yeah. But yeah. it's certainly every something large city would have that. Very yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Um, we're certainly known for it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and it certainly helps. Which is we, great considering we weren't before. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And we can use those dining experiences to wrap around other unique experiences to encourage length of stay. As we see Hamilton go through this metamorphosis, this renaissance, how has this changed? How has tourism changed? Um, Well, I think tourism, Hamilton as a destination um, in the past was a very difficult sell Mm -hmm. um, and it really came from perception more Mm -hmm. than anything else. So it really is about overcoming negative perceptions. We've come a long way in the past five years or so in doing that. And now it's time to tell the story and and basically put out the surprise, Mm. you know. Talk about that perception. Talk about what it was, what it is now. Well, um, I think it's born from um, ourselves being on the uh, beaten path between Niagara and Toronto. Mm. So that is the tourist beaten path. Um, All the steel mills are right there. Um, We are the hammer. That's what we are known for. Um, Difficult to get those traveling in-market tourists to come along into the West End and around this way. And again, around through the East End. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's where the perception you know came from but even when you're talking about things that like like susan's involved with mm-hmm. with with battlefield house and mm-hmm. such because there's so much history between here absolutely. and all the way around down to niagara absolutely i mean mm-hmm. does it help to have mm-hmm. that path where they can go from niagara to, 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 all the way up all the way across the lake and all the way heri- around the lake heritage is a huge driver yeah. um for tourism it, it's a matter of pulling those in-market tourists off the beaten path. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, Niagara and Toronto are great. They're yeah. very busy destinations. And we need to tell our story and get people to come off that beaten path and discover Hamilton for what it is. Is it becoming easier to tell that story? It is, absolutely. More people seem to be noticing. Well, I think the media helps. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we certainly have great support from um, internal and external media. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, continuing to tell that story and to put forth those surprises. And they really are surprises for potential tourists that don't know Hamilton. Yeah, it's easier to, um, uh, I guess... Um uh, under promise and over and over deliver in the, in a situation like this. Absolutely. So uh, talk about feedback and, and you too, Susan, with what you're getting uh, in regard to this enactment, which has been going on forever. What is the feedback like from people who do this sort of thing? They come from year after year, Scott. Some of those reenactors and participants with their families, they were there at the first one. Mm. And they're still participating. Yeah. And now it's going from one generation to the other. They they love history and they want to share history. Mm-hmm. And so that's exactly what we do at the site. You know, we want to tell the story so people never forget that Battle of Stony Creek actually happened in Stony Creek and that we will forever commemorate it. And this year we have reenactors that will be marching from Dundurn Castle mm. on Friday morning to Stony Creek to commemorate the 205th anniversary of the Battle of Stony Creek. And Brenda, how do you incorporate something like what Susan's talking about? Because this has been around for a long time, the history obviously <laughs> dating back farther than that, mm-hmm. uh, with what 
the new Hamilton is? Um, well, it really is about finding the target. So yeah. with the heritage and history, there's a certain target audience. So mm-hmm. you tend to bundle that information right. together around museums and such and mm-hmm. heritage and target a specific audience um, with that. And and then, of course, we have the new Hamilton. We have this arts renaissance. Um, and Is that know, the next big thing? It's something that we are um, concentrating on from a product development perspective. It is. Um, Can that can that sustain itself? I certainly think it can. Um, You know, look at Supercrawl and Artcrawl, and it's not getting any smaller. It really isn't, (laughs) Uh, and it really is something that makes us unique. Yeah. In a sense. So, what would you say, Brenda, to people who uh, haven't experienced what you're talking about? Who haven't experienced? Um, well, there's just so much to do. There's so much that that people are unaware of from the arts community and the arts workshops, and to really become immersed in that type of experience, mm-hmm. um, and certainly to be able to immerse yourself in in historical tours and and heritage events. Um, and they really are. It is that engagement piece that really attracts the tourist market. Mm-hmm. Being able to actually literally immerse themselves yeah, in something like that absolutely uh anything we want to plug up and coming obviously the big event this weekend anything more you can tell us about that it's free it's oh free. yeah it's free it started <laughs> and we to, have fireworks it started and it was free for the first time last year yes. with canada 150 and you've you've decided to sustain that how come yes, that's right and this year we're in celebration of sarah calder mm-hmm. the granddaughter of the J- james gage family that purchased the building in 1899 mm-hmm. there you go so we're celebrating her and anything else you want to plug before we're out of here? I have a list mile long, but I'll be really quick. Uh, cut, cut it down. Sure. We have garden tours, free garden tours at Dundurn, National Historic Site, June, July, and August, Saturdays and Sundays, Wednesdays at Whitehern, as usual, July and August at lunchtime, uh, Teddy Bear Picnic at Whitehern, very mm-hmm. popular event, Golden Horseshoe Live Steamer Days at the Museum of Steam and Technology. That's a great place, too. It is an awesome yeah, event, yeah. too. Yeah, I've been there in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they have a new event this year called the Tesla Electric Festival. Mm. So we're looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, that is in August, August 26th. Of course, we still have music at Fieldcoat. Fieldcoat is celebrating a 30th anniversary year. Mm-hmm. The Hamilton Children's Museum is celebrating a 40th anniversary year. Big year. So all summer long, they're having uh, special programming, and they're putting out 1978 admission rates for those programming dates all throughout oh, the summer. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. And website, if people want to find mm-hmm. out more. Hamilton.ca slash museums. Website, same thing. Just look for Battlefield House. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. Joining us right now is Ed Madronich. Ed Madronich is with us, president and co-founder of Sean and Ed Brewing Company. He is with us now. Great to be here. Uh, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate this. Uh, I've been talking to you for a couple of seconds, trying to get a brief history here of, uh, of the brewery, which is located in Dundas. Give us the details about the brewery first. You know, it, it's really two guys that were in uh, university together playing basketball at McMaster. And like any probably 20-year-old kid, thought it would be cool to open up a brewery one day. And Sean and I have been talking about it since then. And we finally got to a place in our careers where we probably had enough money to be able to put it all together and found an amazing 
location here in, in Dundas to, to actually do it. So you have experience in the winery business, so you sort of know a bit about this. Is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. So Flat Rock Cellars is my winery, but uh, yeah, so I've, I know about beverage alcohol industry with the LCBO and all that. And, and your partner in the same sort of business? Or no, he he's, in a to- he's in a totally different, different business. This is just a passion. So you must have been holding his hand all through this process. Uh, not really holding his hand. He, he's a really smart guy that, that uh, has brought a lot to the table and uh you know we've just it's it's something that's just a passion for both of us to put together so sitting around uh and as university students and talking about opening a brewery is one thing getting to this point in your life and doing it is something completely different why now uh, you said financially, whatever. Well, I think it's getting to, to the right place. You know, because there's a lot of breweries opening up now, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's great. It's adding to the the cultural fabric of of the Hamilton community that we got all these awesome, cool breweries all doing different beers. Yeah. So that's super exciting to be part of that community. And 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 the beer, the craft beer, is a real community, and we love being part of that community. So that's really exciting. And yeah, so Sean and I, um, you know, we went our separate ways after university. We're built successful careers, and then you know we're basically sitting. Did on, you keep in touch? You, absolutely. You, yeah, so we're very so obviously very we're very good friends. friends. Yeah, yeah, tight friends. And you know we're sitting on the beach at his cottage one day and looked at each other and said, "I think it's time to do a brewery." <laughs> I thought you're gonna say this stuff we're drinking is crap. We can do better than this. Well, that, that's probably <laughs> that, that actually might have been part of the conversation. Absolutely. So, how difficult is this to take from idea to fruition? No pun intended. I think the challenge really is fi- was finding the right place. You know, Sean and I are born and raised so in Hamilton. Location. location was our biggest. Why is location thing. so important in craft brewing? I, I, you know, we wanted somewhere that's a destination, and I think we we searched a lot of buildings. Hamilton has this great infrastructure yeah. of old buildings. We're in the Lister Block, which mm-hmm. is awesome, and we really wanted to find a, a really great place for the brewery. And we found this building in Dundas. Talk that, about the building. Yeah, it started as a foundry in the 1860s, so mm. it was building the steel and the machines that that built Canada. Yeah. Then in the 1890s, it was converted to a curling and skating rink. Now, what Canadian <laughs> wouldn't want a brewery in a curling and skating rink, right? <laughs> And then it went through a bunch of other iterations. It was a bus maintenance shed, yeah. manufactured crokinole boards, and then it was Valley City Furniture. Yeah. And eventually Valley oh. City Furniture went out of business, and we were fortunate to be able to buy it from the Crockford family, and they were, they've been great through the process. And, you know, they really shared our vision of converting this amazing, old, historic building uh, into a craft brewery. So we're really proud of that. I, I don't mean this to sound the way that it does, but how much of this was about the beer, the product? Because there's so many cogs to this wheel. So the beer, the product is our most important thing. When yeah. we talk about quality, um, we really genuinely mean it. We've got a, a brewmaster who's been brewing beer for 41 years. Mm-hmm. We've got the best equipment in the world. We use only the best ingredients. Um, I've got a quality control manager that her sole job is a graduate from McMaster Engineering, a Master's of Engineering, and her sole job is to make sure we have the best quality. And there's not a brewery our size anywhere in the world that has that role in it. So we're really, you know, to me, having amazing quality beer is just the cost of entry, right? That's not something yeah. we say we're going to aspire to. It's right. something we do every day, and we're really proud but of that. But for you, there's so much more a part of this. You talked about the culture and the community. Well, yeah, when we look at what craft beer is, it is the place. So it's yeah. a great historic building. It's yeah. the quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, most importantly, it's I'll say it's the people and the camaraderie, the community that we have in, in Dundas and Hamilton, yeah. our loyal followers of ours. Um, it's what we how we support the community. Um, 
It's you know how we interact with the the rest of the craft beer community, which always is an amazing thing. How where do you go from the here? Where do you take this? Did you ever sit when you were having your conversations and said, once we build our brewery, then what? You know, we want to share what we, you know, for me, everybody says, what do I do? It's, I don't make beer. I don't sell beer. I share my passion for what me and my team do every single day. Yeah. And I want to share that passion, not just about our beer, but about our community. And I love Hamilton, born and raised here. It is a big city, but a small town, oh, yeah. which I love, yeah. right? And we want to share that passion, not just with the, the people of Hamilton and Dundas. We want to share it with the province of Ontario, the rest of Canada, and quite frankly, the rest of the world. And so our aspirations may be high, uh, but that's really the way we look at it. So how many employees do you have? How much product do you move? Well, so we are up now I'm shocked at how many we're up to probably 27 employees a yeah. lot of them are hourly yeah. uh uh, employees, but we're up to 27, almost 30 employees now, so we're growing, uh, and the beer keeps going. It keeps every every week. It's more and more. Is that is that the case? Like, how do you how do people find out about your product? How do you move this? You know, who who buys it? Who sells you know, it? We do really well, obviously, in the local community, and we're yeah. we're we're getting out there more and more. We just, you know, like Loblaws has now taken us, and is going to be we're wow. going to be in all 120 Loblaws across the province, which is amazing. And we've got a great relationship with them. We've got a great relationship with the LCBO. I just had the beer store people down at the brewery yesterday, so we got a great relationship with them. It's really for us getting the word out and sharing what it is. But you know, when it comes to, you know, that's us getting the word out to the rest of the province. Right. You know, what I would say is. You know, because we're talking about Hamilton tourism, it is an amazing place to visit. Like to come down, check out the building, enjoy the beer, walk around the town of Dundas, which is a spectacular mm. town. The number of people who go walking up to Spencer's Falls and go hike yeah. the Bruce Trail and yeah. do all of that, and then come down and have a beer, mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, absolutely amazing. What about, uh, and we've talked about how th there's other, many other brewers, many other small craft breweries in this area. What about that community? Do they get along? Do they help each other? We absolutely do. It's yeah. We send each other people, like we send our customers to each other. Yeah. If we have a problem with something and, we, and one of us can help the other one out. You know, the craft beer only represents about 7, 8% of yeah. the beer market in Ontario. Right. And, um, you know, there's room to grow. You've got states in the United States that are 50%, right? Yeah. So there's lots really? of... Really? Yeah. states... Like that, Oregon. Really? Absolutely. And so there are... So 50% of what the state's consuming is craft, craft beer. beer in Oregon. Really? Most wow. of them are probably around yeah, 20%, sure. 25%. Yeah. But the opportunity to grow yeah. uh, is great. And, and Do you think because the major brewers that we all thought were so Canadiana aren't Canadiana anymore and that has anything to do with it? Um, that's probably part of it. Yeah. Um, you, know, I think, you know, I think part of... Uh, what is happening. Because you're is, selling location, you're selling absolutely. culture. Uh, but I think the craft beer revolution is just starting. Yeah. Right? Like, it's only the last... Like, we think about it. Yeah, there's been a whole bunch of breweries open up, but that's only been in the last year or two, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So the revolution is just beginning. And I think, you know, Hamilton has an amazing... Uh, you know, it's a, it is a beer town, right? Mm -hmm. And it's amazing that we've got these amazing craft brewers that are producing unbelievable quality stuff and so it's just going to grow and expand and and get better how do the big boys look at you guys 
do they care at this point? I mean, they must as you're nibbling away at Well, that. I think we're certainly nibbling away, and I think that's just part of it. I yeah. think uh, they look at it, and they're trying to but figure But there'll out, always be one in the they're, end. Yeah, they're always going to be there, and, and, and it's just part of it. You know, the way I look at it is there's room for everybody, yeah. and um, yeah, I think the big boys are going to lose a little bit, but um, I think that's okay. I yeah. think it's, as a cultural aspect for our community, you know, drinking one or two kinds of beer is kind of boring, right? <laughs> good right? point, good point. Ed Madronich has been with us, president and co-founder, Sean and Ed Brewing Company out of Dundas. Great story. Congratulations. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. All right. Take care. Best of luck in the future. Cheers. So, five years from now, is this? can I go to another country and buy this stuff? I hope so. Oh, I really you. hope so. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. Uh, let's bring in Peter Topolovic. He is Transportation, uh, City of Hamilton, Sobe Bikes, responsible for that. Peter, thanks for taking the time to join us. We appreciate this. Yeah, glad to be here. I remember talking about Sobe Bikes way back when and phoning you up and thinking, yeah, this is a great idea, but uh, is this going to work, Peter? And that was four years ago now. That's correct, yeah, yeah. four years. So uh, are, are you surprised you are where you are now? Yeah, we didn't predict the uh, the amount of uptake that we that we do have. That after about three years, we're at about a million trips and 19,000 users, um, uh, traveling to over two million kilometers. So why people were very skeptical about this for, for at first? Why do you think they were? What's changed? Yeah, I think we were the first, one of the first medium-sized cities in North America to adopt a bike share program. So, of course, we were a bit of a pioneer there. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't much evidence to say, well, how is it really going to work? Like Minneapolis was one of our examples that did work. Right. Uh, And so we followed Minneapolis's lead. And, and in fact, we're doing on par with them or better than uh, they had done over their years. So what's the challenges for a medium-sized city as opposed to a larger city? I think it's uh, just population density. Yeah. How many are using them? Because yeah. you need so many bikes to actually make this work anyway, right? So your exactly. outlay has got to be the, close to the same. Yeah, and, and you know, when you have more people living in a more dense area, you're yeah. going to have, just like transit, yeah. you're going to have an easier time making trips. Right. Uh, but we've proven that, you know, with the, we do have the right mix here uh, of people traveling and, you know, the good transit mix and the, just the right amount of density yeah. to support the bike share. Who's using this? Yeah, you know, it's very surprising. First of all... I mean, we're down at the West End, so I see a lot of Mac students using it. Yeah, it's, you know, (laughs) the funny part is uh, if you're between 25 and 45, that's our probably number one. Students are probably not our number one user. Ah. And uh, the demographic on bikes is actually getting a little bit older. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing more older adults um, using it. We're also seeing uh, uh, gender parity. So while on your regular bike, it's 70% men, 30% female. Uh, On Sobeys, it's 50% men, 50% female. Wow, that's great. So uh, this is unexpected success, I'm guessing, for the city. I mean, this is this was a real experiment. Yeah, we had some some good evidence, but we didn't know how it would run. And even with the first city in Canada, medium-sized city in Canada, mm-hmm. to, to even be thinking about bike share. So and it's growing. It's not. Uh, get, talk about performance. Yeah, we're of this. doing about thirty percent uh, more trips every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're seeing that growth every year, and the growth in people using it as well. I think we started with about seven thousand users. And 200,000 trips last year, we were at 19,000 users and uh, 425,000 trips. So where's the growth? Are you just would that mean expanding stations to other parts of the city? Would that mean adding more bikes to the stations that already exist? Yeah, for, in in some in some cases we could really improve the amount of bikes we have actually in the current service area. Right. But we do have pressures to expand both uh, east 
also off the mountain. Mm-hmm. And uh, part, particularly some, you know, the RBG is also very interested in bike share. So yeah. everyone's kind of interested in bike share, uh, but it depends on you know, how much density we have and how many bikes can we can we get in the city. Who's paying for this? How is this? Because I remember initially it didn't cost the city. There was somebody involved. Yeah, so uh, Metrolinks actually covered the capital cost. Right. And in terms of operating, it operates on user fees and sponsorship. So at the end of the day, it's paying for itself. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And are places like the mountain where there's suburban life, are they as interested in this as people down in the city? Uh, you know, maybe not as interested, but there's a lot of interest in the suburbs. Right. Uh, the, the the difference there is that a lot of our employment density, our destinations right. are downtown. Yeah. So, but we do have Mohawk and, and you know, uh, Lime Ridge Mall, et cetera, where that, you know, there's significant uh, places people want to go. So Mo- it's possible. And we, we talked about this. We talked about this, Peter, when you were launching this and... You know, if you're a bike enthusiast, if you're into biking, you probably got your own bike. So how do, how do, do are these people that have bikes, yeah. or they don't have bikes? Is it just yeah. convenient? My bike's at home. This one's here. Yeah, about half the people who use BikeShare rode a bike once a month or less right. before using BikeShare. So they're not the typical cyclists. Right. They're, you know, I mean, the vast majority of them are people who are... Bringing, coming back to cycling, maybe right. they learned right. when they were a child. Mm-hmm. They want a better way or faster way to get to work, and, right. and the, you know, or to the bus, and, and or to the go station. And at the end of the day, it's all about transportation. It's all about getting people from point A to point B. Absolutely, they're we, not doing this for fun, um, or, or are they? About 15% of the people who are using the system are visitors. They're doing recreational rides. They're so going down going to for the, a ride to the trail. I was going to say, yeah, down to the beach or wherever. absolutely. We yeah. see that pattern where yeah. people are just maybe they're getting to the beach, maybe they're driving to the beach, but then yeah. they're instead of rollerblading, yeah. they're using the Sobe or they're going yeah. to Van Wagner's by Hutches, right? And right. they're using the Sobe's there. It's pretty popular to do that. So we do have recreational rides going on, and we do have a visitor population actually coming and saying, hey, there's some bikes here. Let's let's bike around Hamilton. What's the biggest challenge for running this? Uh, in terms Running of the, Sobe, yeah. Like, what's where's the downside? Yeah, the, the biggest one is keeping the system balanced, making yeah. sure there's bikes in every station, making sure that you know everyone's kind of accommodated. You have people going to work, right? But you have people doing lunchtime rides, right? You've got visitors on weekends, so how, making sure that the the right amount of bikes are where people want them. I was going to ask you about that because I was out and about a few weeks ago, and I saw one of your people in a van, and he's moving bikes around. So. How do how do you logistically manage this if people are all starting at point A, take all the bikes and ride them to point B? Yeah, that's thanks like, are to... Are people going back and <laughs> forth, or do you have guys yeah. like this driving around in vans, yeah. moving bikes around? That's thanks to our operator, um, Sobe Hamilton. They yeah. actually do that balancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have uh, two trucks and a trailer, Yeah, uh, and we have people on it's bikes. It's quite a process. It, it yeah. is. We even have people at McMaster on bikes carrying more bikes around. This thing, <laughs> a bike carries four bikes. So wait, yeah, we're, wait a sec. <laughs> what does this look like? It's a really cool. It's a made in Hamilton uh, trailer that has. Stri- it's a bike trailer towed by a bike, a bike that carries other bikes. Four bikes, four Sobe bikes. Yeah. And then the fifth one pulling. That's right. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's pretty cool. That and person must have thighs of steel. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a good workout. I should maybe yeah. I should start doing it. Yeah, all the uh, I bet you everybody everybody who works at Sobe's in very good shape. I would say I would think so. Yes. <laughs> so is, is that difficult to manage? Yeah, every bike share in North America. That's your number one challenge is keeping that system balanced. Yeah. Uh, and the better you are at it, 
the more likely you're going to have people um, taking trips. And so we are, we're getting better at it every year. And that means we can accommodate more people on bikes. It, does it ever happen where, you know, like I mentioned, people start at point A, go to point B, and then take them back? I mean, do you see regular yeah. or is it usually one-way trips? So it's a mix. Yeah. Uh, you know, if people are all going to one place and all bringing them back, that's actually a lot easier to deal with. Sure. Because they're yeah. already doing the balancing for you. We love tourists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when you have someone taking a one-way trip, that's yeah. where you have to do more work. And we do have a lot of one-way trips happening because that's the whole convenience. Yeah. You yeah. set it. Or ride it and forget it. Mm-hmm. I'm using someone else's terminology. Yeah. Set yeah. it and forget it, right? Go there and leave the bike and walk away and go on your business. Are you surprised that this is continuing to grow? Uh, no. The cycling in North American cities, especially even in Canada, is on the rise. Yeah. Winter cycling is on the rise. Yeah. Summer cycling is on the rise. That's another thing. What happens in the winter? Is it much? Because, again, you see yeah. them, you see people on these 12 months of the year. That's right. The system keeps going in the winter. We have less people riding. Well, you launched it in January, didn't we? you? I remember yeah. that. Uh, people love that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a good test for us to see, is this going to work in winter? It yeah. did. Uh, over the last three years, people have definitely, the ridership in winter is growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I think people coming to a city and they... You know, usually you would maybe take a tourist bus. Yeah. Uh, but now people want to ride. That's people, a great wanna, way. You know, people, yeah. cycle tourism is really on the rise. Well, you look at other European cities where there's all that sort of thing. My goodness, there's more bikes than there is cars. So it's a great way for tourists to get around. Absolutely. And now that we have even more infrastructure, like the Bay Street yeah. bike lanes yeah. and the Cannon Street bike lanes, uh, they're helping people get around who are new to the city. Right. Yeah. And are maybe right. a little bit yeah. nervous about cycling around. Mm-hmm. Now they have that. They have the bike that they don't have to you know worry about. It's right there for them. And they have the lanes that they need to get around. What about uh, maintaining the bikes? What about damage to them? Uh, is that an issue? Is vandalism an you issue? Know, I think people are really worried about vandalism. You know, like oh, this is well, it's Hamilton. Everybody's going to steal the damn bikes. That's what's yeah. going to happen here, Peter. And, you know, it's it's relatively low. Yeah. Um, we do get some tagging, but for the most part, you know, the bikes are treated very well by anyone who's using them. Yeah. Yeah. How many are hanging out near the sign, New Hamilton sign? Have you figured that out yet? (laughs) They're riding down to the sign. That's, you know, if they want to ride down the sign, that's great. Uh, I see lots of people around it. We do have a station right at City Hall. So if you wish to ride to the sign, you definitely can. All right. So where is this going? Where do you see us uh, in the next five years? Well, we're really working on getting bike share to more people in more places and more different people in different walks of life, you know. Perhaps even if you're an older adult and you really don't think you can make it up the hill, yeah. we want to bring you electric bikes. Oh, that's a great uh, idea. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> our number one growth yeah. area really is in uh, different older types adults of coming to cycle on different t- type three of bikes. Three-wheelers. Even three-wheelers, hey, yeah. Hey, listen, so. you know, my parents' retirement center, man, people were driving three-wheelers around there. Uh, yeah, three-wheelers are really yeah. popular. They're gaining in popularity as well. And yeah. so uh, some bike shares are looking into three-wheelers and we're looking to accommodate all, all different types of people in the city, all of our citizens. Uh, is this just of downtown they, uh, now, or is it up there? Is it is it on the mountain? No, it goes all the way to Otter Street, and right. it's also in all the way to Dundas. Right. It is not yet uptown. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we we are doing a business plan for both uh, well, uptown up on the mountain and also towards uh, kind of Worth Avenue. Do you think that'll be a different business plan than what's down on the? It'll it'll look a little animal. bit different. Yeah. Um, I think we'll have some great recreational rides going on with the new mountain trails that have been built yeah. on the escarpment. Um, it will look a little bit different, but I think it doesn't mean we shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. We'll just be designing it a little bit differently. What about trail bikes? 
Trail bikes, yeah, that's Instead a really interesting of like one. A street bike, uh, yeah. Know. Hey, no, might be a you want to join the team. Might be a liability issue there, though. <laughs> Potentially, yes. <laughs> uh, Peter Tabalovic has been with us, Transportation City of Hamilton, and uh, in charge of Sobe Bikes. Well, I guess it's easy to say this has been a success. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, whether you're a tourist or you're uh, here, you've been here in the city all your life. Check it out. Peter. Ride to the sign. Ride to the waterfront. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. Let's bring in Brent Kennard from The Other Bird. And uh, boy, uh, you're the first guest to bring stuff. And good for you, Brent. (laughs) There's there's no party like a taco party. (laughs) Exactly. So tell us about The Other Bird. Yeah, so the Other Bird is a hospitality group that's based here in Hamilton. We've got about an eight-year history now. Uh, We have three restaurants in Hamilton, soon to be a fourth. And uh, we're just big believers in what's happening downtown and uh, and making people happy. And go ahead, list the restaurants. So uh, the restaurants are The Mule, uh, Rapscallion, and Two Black Sheep here in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a, another little spot called Burrow in Burlington. And then we run a little boutique hotel in Paris called The Arlington. Why are people talking about this group? Uh, you, you know, I, I think uh, by our very nature and in our company name, The Other Bird, we like to do things just uh, a, a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of go uh, against the grain and make sure that we deliver uh, a great And all the restaurants experience. are like this. Yeah, they all have their own individual sort of feel and, yeah. and brand and experience. How do you explain them all being different and yet have this unique character about them? Because well, a lot of times when you get groups like this, we're specializing in this, we're doing this. You guys are all over the place here. Yeah, I think for us, what really sort of runs through the middle of everything that we do is the culture. It's the people. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the end of the day, our mission is to provide a great experience for our guests. And that starts with with our staff and, and, uh, and that consistent feel no matter which place you're in. How did you know? Lots of people have talked about coming here and opening business, opening restaurants. You came and you guys came and boom, 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 boom. It wasn't just one. It was one, then another. Where did that confidence come from about this city? I, I think, uh, you know, seeing the uh, the renaissance, uh, if, if I can say it that way, and what's happened downtown from mm-hmm. a hospitality perspective, from an arts and culture perspective, there just is uh, a renewed vibrancy in the last uh, 10 years. Mm-hmm. And for us, you know, we saw an opportunity to create a unique experience for uh, our guests to try uh, some food that maybe they haven't before and do something a little different. And How do they accept uh, that? But I guess they're not walking through the doors unless they're unless they're willing to try something. No, you know it's interesting. We have we have some raving fans that go to all of the places with great frequency. We yeah. have others that identify with us as the mule, yeah. and are maybe newly being introduced to one of the other spots like Rapscallion. And you know when you put uh, something called bacon wrap bacon in someone's mouth, it, yeah. you can't yeah. help but smile. <laughs> <laughs> Now, do you find that customers, once they go to one, they want to go to the other, even though they're different? Yeah, we've talked uh, a a lot about how we've sort of built this little following where now we see uh, almost like a tour. And and a lot of our regular customers and guests like to sort of hop around and go to all of the places. People seem to know the background of this group more and the other restaurants involved, which probably normally the average customer doesn't. Why do you think they've, and do you think because it is out of the ordinary there's always something really unique about each one that attracts these people that know the group as opposed to as well as the restaurants yeah I I think so we like to obviously keep things fresh and renew and change menu items and throw some different things out there for for everyone to try but they know that when they come to our place they're going to be greeted warmly they're going to have a great time and they're probably going to try something that they haven't before and it just it sticks with you yeah so uh, why is this working in Hamilton now 
I think it's the perfect blend right now of uh, some new downtown dwellers. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of tremendous small business and entrepreneurship from retail mm -hmm. to arts to museum culture. And food is sort of a, it's a natural uh, thing that just brings people together. And for us, uh, it, it's about sort of blending with that experience. And, and there's just such an energy around being out and being a part of things that are happening in the community. And at the center of that is that we, we like to eat and enjoy good food. Yeah, who doesn't? Um, and, and it seems if we have a healthy restaurant business, it's a sign of greater things. Uh, we've talked many times, and, and with you guys as well, that a few years ago, it wasn't like this. It wasn't that long ago where, you know, the, 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 uh, the old establishments that have been here forever, and thank God they've stayed and they've continued to, to do well and such, but now there's such a variety of stuff here. It's amazing. Yeah, there's there's a, a pretty broad demographic in, in Hamilton now, and in particular downtown, right from uh, the sort of uh, young entrepreneurs and, and folks that are starting in their, their first career, right up to those that are the boomers and into retirement age. And, mm. and everyone uh, is looking for a different experience, uh, a different uh, dining memory. And the great thing about our group is we can throw out all these great different menu items and different concepts, and everyone reacts so well to them because they know at the end of the day, regardless of which place they're sitting in, they're going to have a great time. How do you know what you're doing and because it's so out of the ordinary is going to work? We, we look for trends. We, uh, we pride ourselves in being able to sort of stay a little bit ahead of the curve and, and sort of see what's coming. And do you coming. see that like in other centers around North America, other large cities, other, wh where does that come from? Yeah, very definitely. The Mule is a great example. It, it really was uh, sort of born out of uh, a, a visit by uh, Aaron and Matt, our, our owners who were in Chicago right. and went to a restaurant there called Big Star and uh, a lot of the inspiration behind what we've done at the Mule was the experience that they had there and they just they know the Hamilton vibe yeah. and they knew it was going to work restaurateurs love to go out and eat Absolutely. Do they go out and eat enough? We sure do. <laughs> Not as much as we should, yeah. or as you might think. So but. do you go around to other people's places and other and check them out? Yeah, that, that's the great thing about... Not even so much to check them out, but just to enjoy no, them. You no, know, I think it's about supporting each other yeah. and, and working together. Yeah. There's a great opportunity. The more that we can attract to the culinary scene in Hamilton, there's yeah. a greater capacity, and, and everyone wins. Yeah. And we've got some tremendous friends in the industry, other restaurants in the city uh, we support. We work together on, on different events and, and uh, and, and we like each other as people. Is this becoming known as a place to go if you want to start off in this business? Is this city be known for that? Uh, I think. Or is it always the big cities? I, no, I, I think it's been happening in Hamilton. And, and again, it just for me, it just keeps coming back to the vibe and the culture that's mm. that's downtown. I, I, I think it's just uh, people are, are interested in what's happening yeah. and they want to have a unique experience. So what's next for the group? Well, I know you don't uh, want to give it all away, but <laughs> a couple of secrets. But um, we do actually have uh, another new uh, spot that's uh, opening up uh, probably in mid to late June. Yeah, uh, it'll be in the downtown as well. You know, we're we're very strategically picking our locations, and uh, we've what got. What goes a, into that? Uh, it, it's it's really a lot about uh, foot traffic. Yeah. 
certainly about the concept for yeah. the individual place. We, you know, if it's going to work in a in a neighborhood, yeah. Um, and and being in a in a in an area where there are other businesses that are like-minded and people can can visit them all and mm. you know sort of do that downtown stroll. All right. So uh, before I'm not going to eat this in front of everybody. I'll wait till I'm <laughs> off the mic. But uh, what did you bring here? So we've got three uh, tacos that are are all very popular ones from the Mule. There's the fish taco. There's the uh, chicken spicy chicken, and there's our Taco Bell, which is a ground beef and ground pork uh, blend. <laughs> yeah. How did you name that one? It's just, uh, you know, it just looks like a good old messy <laughs> pick it up and eat it there kind of go. a thing. And what's this? <laughs> uh, this is our uh, guacamole and uh, and our house uh, our house chips. And then we've got some Uritos, which is the Mexican pop to wash it down. Uh, Brent Kennard has been with us from the other bird once again. Uh, rip off the restaurants there real quick. Uh, the Mule. Rapscallion, Two Black Sheep, those three here in Hamilton, and uh, soon to be a fourth called Odds. And go find out why they're so great. Uh, Brent Kennard has been with us, The Other Bird. Congratulations. Great job, you guys. Thanks for having us. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. Let's bring in Greg Taylor. He is the manager of marketing and development, Theatre Aquarius, and is with us now. Greg, thanks for taking the time. We appreciate this. I did when I came here uh, today, I did the walk around uh, King William, went all the way down by your place and such. And I, and I remember thinking when you guys were the only place there in and around and, and, and theater Aquarius has just been a, uh, a juggernaut tenant in this city, keeping the downtown alive for so long. You must be so excited to see what else is happening down here, the restaurants and such, which all lend to your business. It's nice to finally have some company, that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, no, we've been, uh, we've been making our downtown. You, you guys need, you, you guys should take credit for blazing the trail and, and keeping the area alive. I am perfectly prepared to take all the credit <laughs> that I've been allowed to. But, no. How long have you guys been there? Uh, our, on, uh, uh, our theater center on King William opened in uh, 1991, and uh, we are going into our 46 years Hamilton's professional theater. How has this renaissance and what we've seen in Hamilton helped Theatre Aquarius? It's changed the perception of what's possible, and it's just made our audience, instead of being astonished by something that's good enough, they're hmm. they're demanding to be amazed, yeah, which yeah. drives us to greater heights. Yeah, and you know further out on you're only as good as your it, last show. And when it all works out, everybody feels great. Yeah. And, and this lends now to such a night out in the city, doesn't it? I mean, there's so many different things you can do as well as go to the theater or before or after. It's lovely to have that, you know, culture of... And there's always been a, a nice cluster of restaurants sort of immediately mm-hmm. around the theater because we were bringing yeah. in people from, from yeah. all over, you know, Niagara to Oakville and beyond. Um, but now when there's sort of that uh, organic and, uh, uh, and uh, Hamilton base... Yeah. Growing along uh, King William and some really exciting places to eat. Yeah. My goodness, yeah. there was there was when when I, I started at Theater Aquarius, it was it was hard to find a, a yeah. place to have lunch. Yeah, yeah. And now there's and that's too nothing many. against the places that have been here forever and that are still great and still doing great business because they've kept it alive like you guys have. Oh, they sure have. But uh, but yeah, it's nice to see some variety. A little now. choice. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you, you talked about uh, the catch basin for Theater Aquarius. Uh, how much of it is people inside? How much of it is people outside? How much do you need the city of Hamilton to support this? There's a fantastic core of support in Hamilton and a, a huge amount of our uh, subscriber And it's always been base. a cultural town way back it's, when even. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's a different kind of, uh, there's a different mm-hmm. energy and there's a different history. Yep. Um, it's, Hamilton is its own place. Yeah. And I think the more people recognize that and, and accept it and celebrate it is better for everyone. 
um, but it means that when you know we're uh, uh, when we're welcoming folks in and uh, and showing them something that's new and amazing. I mean, we're drawing artists who are. Uh, from the national pool, mm-hmm. uh, but also working with creators and storytellers uh, who are, are working to develop uh, emerging and mid-career artists from throughout Hamilton as well. So there's there's a really strong Hamilton base, particularly with our subscribers, mm. Hamilton and Burlington. Uh, that that subscription base, those people who have all six shows in the season, it's it's a night out. It's their date nights plan yeah, for, the, for yeah. the year, and that's really we couldn't possibly keep our doors open without those yeah, people yeah. you know that that is the base that lets you really take risks and try new things how do you decide we're just looking at, at your schedule for this season how do you decide what to put on how do you decide what to present and and even just the vast range of, of pr- a production well that's really i mean that's our artistic director ron ulrich's uh, magic and that's uh, mm-hmm. his, his area of expertise is i mean he's been the artistic director of something or other since i was 12 years old <laughs> yeah. and uh, that is not the case yeah. anymore so uh he uh it's, it's always a, a delicate balance between he wants to build something that tells a story something that has balance between comedy and tragedy and serious and and risky and safe and uh, often it's built around what you can get the rights to as well mm. like the big tent musicals are often you have I mean last what's year what's that process like how do you do that how do you acquire because you just can't go out and perform whatever you want I am very glad to say that that's not something that I have to do but yeah. I hear about it yeah. and it is it is a challenge I mean you know Ron was chasing Mamma Mia for 14 years yeah, until yeah. they were finally ready to because if there's a national touring company that yeah. might want to go out yeah. they won't give it to you yeah, yeah. Um, so you know we find he finally landed that big fish uh, last season and uh, and that was terrific um, so it's always a, it's a it's a balance you know often he'll get the tent poles first and build around mm. say what do we want then there's other things sort of what's worked you know we're opening the season with the uh, spider's web which is an agatha christie mystery and it's it's a fun one. You sort of see the times when she's just on the serious edge, and you're like, you know, one little push, and this would be absurd. Spider's web is when she lets herself go there. Yeah, yeah. Anytime the body is going missing, it's going to be a fun night. Uh, uh, what about reputation of the theater, and what part does that play in landing a production or even bringing talent in? Uh, it does, absolutely. It does. The, the When the, the more success there is, it's, it's like, you know, when I was a kid playing baseball and your coach says, you know why we're winning right now? Because mm. we're winning. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that yeah. you can say that right across the city. Yeah, success um, breeds success. Success breeds success. Yeah. Right, why are we winning? Because we believe that we can. Right. Um, and that's, you know, chasing a bigger production, daring to do something on a, on a bigger scale than we would have in the past. Um, you know, the audience saying, yes, I believe that this is going to be good because it's Theater Aquarius and I trust them. Uh, and so they take the, the, the risk with us. Uh, and, and then it all builds and grows, and it's fantastic to see. What's Theater Aquarius's biggest challenge at this point? The city's growing, times are good. What, what's the challenge moving forward? You know, uh, our GM, Lorna Zaremba, always says, uh, if, if you're not moving forward, you're going backwards. Yeah. So sometimes it's a question of, all right, every, not getting complacent. You say, this worked well, subscriptions are selling well, single tickets are going great. What, what's next? What are we missing? What's the next challenge? What's mm. the mountain that no one yeah. thinks we can climb? For years, it was our accessibility project mm-hmm. uh, because the building in 1991, the, the, the standards of accessibility for folks with a disability were very different. Yeah. Um, but it's a massive change. 
and so thanks to folks like you know canadian heritage and the canada cultural spaces fund helped us. last year we went into construction mode and now we've got the ah the big doors on our main entrance. we could get folks as far as the the lobby. yeah and then this summer with the help of the future fund where it's another big construction project to reinvent the inside of the auditorium so that we can really be you know welcoming for everyone. so there's always a new challenge and there's always a new and you look at the the goal and you say really? yeah well we're doing all these other things we're going to try and get there too? things you don't think about. and and because people believe that we can we seem to get there. talk about what you got coming up this season. Well, we're opening with uh, Spider's Web from Agatha Christie, which is always, you know, it's yeah. always a Can't good time. Can't go wrong there. No, never can. Uh, the Father is the second show of the season, and this is this is a brilliant play. Um, this is um, a, 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 a man who is not entirely certain. It, it is it is basically it's a tragic comedy about dementia, mm. and none of those things seem to work together for you. Then you need to you need to see this show because it all hangs together beautifully. It's it's, there's parts that are wonderfully funny, mm. and then the, they'll do the exact same scene again. So the script is brilliant. Um, they'll do, play a scene, and everything seems normal, seems good. Then the, the, the furniture changes, and it's two different people, and they're playing the scene again. And he's trying. Well, who are you? Uh, and it's his dog, and he's trying to, to keep up with it. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful script, uh, and getting Eric Peterson for it was yeah. just. I mean, he's yep. he's wonderful for it. He's uh, that. Very rare uh, feat of someone who's a, a legitimate uh, Canadian television icon. Yep. He's recognized for a number of roles at like Corner yep. Gas and Street Legal, but whose whose history and working career is is all about the theater. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he's going to be wonderful in this. Honestly, it's just heartbreaking. And then we uh, we move uh, right into Elf, at Great is idea. the holiday musical. Mm. So and that's uh, that's just so so much fun. Yeah, I mean, everyone loves that. If you love the the movie, yeah. Um, the the musical is uh, is that with a song, so it's. It's terrific, and then and it's a it's a very strong season. It's a very um, uh, it's an exciting season. We've got Crees in the Caribbean, which is a lovely comedy from Drew Hyden Taylor, um, and then an, another Canadian playwright, uh, uh, George F. Walker, has uh, uh, created a piece for us called Steel City Gangster. It's a Rocco Perry story. Really, so it's, uh, it's that's a world premiere. Yeah. Um, and then we have the Canadian premiere of uh, a new Disney musical, uh, Freaky Friday. Mm. And it's really funny, uh, the, the, the different Freaky Fridays that people remember, because they've been kicking this property around for years. There was the book, yeah, and then there was yeah, the original, yeah. the 60s movie with mm-hmm. the, uh, Jodie Foster as the, as the little girl. Uh, and then they did a big TV movie version with Shelley Long from, uh, from yeah, Cheers in yeah, the 80s. Yeah, and then there was the, right. <laughs> it's been well the movie worn, with yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan, and now this, this, uh, this big musical. So and we're getting it very early in the process. It's uh, Disney tends to test things out in they've got a facility in uh, Denver. Right. So before it starts in that's yeah. where they, so it's played in Denver. It's played in D.C. and I'm not sure if it's anywhere else before here or there. But it's, uh, we've got the first stop uh, of any uh, any theater in Canada. So that's that's going to be fun. Full lineup. Uh, if people want to find out more, website. Uh, Theateraquarius.org. TheaterAquarius.org to find out more. That's TheaterAquarius.org. Greg Taylor has been with, with us, Manager of Marketing and Development for Theater Aquarius, who were holding down that neighborhood long before anyone else was. Congratulations. Great season. Good luck with it, Greg. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. All you have to do is go down near the waterfront and see the great changes that have happened uh, in Hamilton over the last few years. Let's bring in Werner Plessel. He is the executive director of the Hamilton Water, uh, Waterfront Trust and is with us now. Werner, thanks for taking the time. We appreciate this. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate being invited. We hear lots about the Hamilton Waterfront Trust. What is it? 
We're a nonprofit organization, and we were formed about 18 years ago. And our mandate can be summarized in, in a few words, uh, and that is connecting you to the water's edge. So we have different ways and means of providing amenities that bring people to the waterfront. This has been a long process, hasn't it? Yes, it has. We started in 2001. And where were you then? Where are you now? Initially, we started and got some funding through a settlement agreement with the city and the federal government to build some amenities, mostly trails in the waterfront. Mm -hmm. Our board took the direction that we'd like to provide amenities for the public to enjoy on the waterfront. What has been the biggest challenge over the last couple of decades? Our, our, build, our challenge is always the weather. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sunny, beautiful days. We have way too many people out there, and we try the best we can to serve the public. On rainy days, we, um, our clientele is substantially reduced. Are Hamiltonians aware of their waterfront? I think a lot of them are, but I still meet people every single day that go, wow, I've really amazed and I've met people from all over Canada say this is a fabulous waterfront whether they're from Banff, BC or Halifax so I'm proud Hamiltonia to show off our West Harbor area. Uh, do we know how much it's changed? Do we realize how much it's changed? I think some people when I had an aha moment this summer right. I've been involved in the waterfront here for about 25 years and I finally kind of connected to realize then when I talk to people my age, they look at the waterfront and they say, wow, it's different because it wasn't that way when they were younger. And then I talk to anybody oh, under 30 and Bayfront Park, Pier 4 Park has always been here. Yeah. There, there's no difference. So it's, it's a real, so my, my kids, when they look at it, there was always a waterfront that was accessible. Until 91, there was no access for the public. Yeah, good point. Uh, And and obviously, um, playing a big part in history and how the city has changed, what the waterfront once was, what it's now becoming uh, as time moves on. Um, Talk a little bit about the development. What's different now? What's going on? What's there? There's about six and a half kilometers of waterfront that is accessible. So it has a trail right beside it Mm -hmm. that was built by the city. So it's very few municipal waterfront. You can virtually touch the water. Yeah. I would call most of that natural, except when you get to piers five, six, seven. It has an urban waterfront, mostly a vertical wall. Mm -hmm. And that's where the trust came in is when you go down the waterfront, um, Jill Simmons, a former waterfront resident, said, I need an area to go use the washrooms and an area to refill. And yeah. that was the, the idea behind um, the Waterfront Trust purchasing the Williams Fresh Cafe franchise. Uh, what Talk about potential, because you've been da- you, you grew up in that area. You, you've seen it transform. Mm-hmm. What can it become? Uh, it could be a destination for Hamiltonians and their guests. And in terms of the development over the last few years, people sometimes um, are frustrated because there's not more to do. Mm-hmm. We see one of the work projects we're working on for the city is re- rebuilding the Hamilton Port Authority um, warehouse building into a market and artist's booth so that people are, will be able to rent space uh, on, on a year-round basis or a daily basis, and there'll be an artist in markets. We hope there'll be a lot of waterfront co- shops 
um, and restaurants and pubs on the waterfront. Talk about the development that's coming down there. We certainly know of the residential that, that's moving down yeah. there, and even the moving out of the marina is yeah. quite significant. Well, the two major areas that the city is looking after is Pier 8 residential area. That's mm-hmm. going to be about 1,500 condo units. Mm-hmm. I understand the city of Hamilton will select the developer in the next few weeks. Yeah. The other component is Pier 6 and 7, which is an area which is fenced now, asphalt surface. So we're working with the city to make that a public, I would call it waterfront. Mm-hmm. There will be some public buildings, but also potential for private investments to build three-story buildings main level commercial space, hmm. um, some office space, small office, and, and residential units there. So that could be up and running in, in a few years. Uh, talk about timeline, because there's still lots of work to be done there. Yes, the, the timeline... There's lots for, of plans in place right now, but yes. it's going to take a while for those to yeah. come to fruition. The, the work we're doing on Piers 6 and 7, we're rebuilding the shoreline because it's in pretty rough shape and mm-hmm. rusting. So we hope to have two buildings uh, rejuvenated, the shoreline reconstructed and the public plaza area finished in the summer of 2020. Mm. Um, and as I mentioned before, a lot of history down there, uh, whether it's industry, whether it's uh, pleasure, what have you. A great uh, article in The Spectator not too long ago about underground tunnels that had been yes. found near the marina. Talk a little bit more about the personality of that area. Uh, my wife and I live in the area now and... Um, it is going un, uh, undergoing a tremendous change. There's still a lot of residents who have been there 30, 40, yeah. 50, and 60 years, but a uh, number of new families coming in. Um, so it is going uh, undergoing a change, and um, the different demographics require different kinds of services. So um, it will be interesting when the city proceeds with the 1,500 condo units what other changes will be there. But I think in the end, by the various agencies providing service and restaurants, um, the James Street through renovations or renewal is going on yeah. here and King William, that will extend right to the waterfront with opportunities for small businesses to take advantage of that. Are you concerned how this is being planned? Are you concerned it's growing too big too fast? No, not at no. all. I, I think there's room for expansion. It'll be supply and demand. If space is um, provided, there will be someone who will come along with it. And and maybe it won't be built all at once. It'll be yeah. built in stages. And as they're rented out, more space will be developed. There's something different about living by the water, though, isn't there? It's just a, it's different, isn't it? Absolutely. It's in and, the air. And I bet you the people that have lived there for however many years, yeah. they'd say, say the same thing. Yes. One thing we've noticed is that uh, even the people I talked to yesterday, big temp- temperature difference between the mountain oh, yeah. and the waterfront yeah. on particular days. Yeah. Sunday was a cool day. Yeah. And people in Flamborough said it was 33 degrees. Yeah. We didn't experience that. It's so. that big old body of water next yeah. to you. Yeah. But depending are, on what temperature it is. Yes. There are a couple of winter days that it's very cool down there. Yeah. And um, where do you see the waterfront in, say, 10 years? I see a lot of amenities in different ways for the public to enjoy it, whether you take a boat ride, a trolley, um, enjoy a fishing derby, sit on a patio, have a beer or a glass of wine. I think there will be 30 or 40 different ways of connecting to the water. All right, give a plug to some of the things that are going on this summer. Um, Things that we're continuing to operate is the Hamiltonian tour boats, about 16 years. We have different um, waterfront wheels, bikes to rent for four four-wheeled uh, unit trolley rides very popular to go all the way to 50 point we have our um, very important 
skating, roller skating, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday nights. It's not for the young. It's not for the old. It's for everybody. And uh. I've, I've seen see people while in their 80s skating there. <laughs> and one thing that no one can walk by is our waterfront scoops. We yep. serve Hewitt's ice cream, mm. and it's extremely popular, especially this week. I can imagine. And if we want to find out more, is there a website or anything we can go to? Yes, HamiltonWaterfront.com. HamiltonWaterfront.com. That's HamiltonWaterfront.com. Werner Plessel has been with his executive director of the Hamilton Waterfront Trust. Uh, you know, I've often said if you uh, don't come downtown, uh, downtown Hamilton every couple of weeks, you're going to miss something. You'll see something that you didn't see uh, a couple of weeks before. It's the same way with the waterfront, the way it is developing. It is another jewel in Hamilton that if you haven't seen for a while, you have to get down and investigate. Werner, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.